Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, and just thrilled for all of you today. I love when I get to bring my friends on to the show. And our guest today is David Bach. And David and I have been friends for about 10, 11 years. We've been on stage together a bunch of times. For those of you who may not have heard our previous podcast together, David is just the financial whiz that's out there. He's the author of nine consecutive New York Times bestsellers, okay? That's hard to do. Automatic millionaire, start late, finish rich. I mean, I can list all nine of them. He's been on every major show, Every time Oprah needed somebody to talk money, let's go to David. If you've ever watched the Today Show, the morning, whatever New York show is going on, David's been there. We're so excited to have him today. His new book, which is so exciting because it's not just great financial principles and how-tos, but it's also a cool story and a parable, and I've been waiting for him to do a parable for years, is out today. So the latte factor, he's been talking to me about this for more than a year, and he's been talking about it for years and years, and this is kind of a dream come true. So, David, we're just thrilled to have you. I'm so excited. Congrats on the new book. It's very awesome, and it looks yummy too, by the way. I love having that latte on the front cover. Oh, it got in your hands a hardcover. Do you know you're only the second person to hold this book? Because I'm holding my copy right here, and I got one copy. So yeah. we're both holding matching copies. I um, got connections, bro, just so you know, okay? <laughs> we hooked you up. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. I love your audience. You know this, but people love you. I, I have people stop me on the street, and they're like, I heard you on the Brian Buffini show. Yeah. I listened to his podcast. You were amazing. It was the last time we did one. So it's just great to be with you. And I loved being with your mastermind elite group a couple of years ago. That was yeah. so much fun. So good to be with you again. Thank you. Great stuff. Well, I know you're doing a bunch of work and promoting the book. And I have no doubt this is going to be a runaway bestseller. And I'm excited for folks to get their hands on it. Let's just talk about this for a second. You've had nine hugely successful books. You know, it's most people's dream to write one book one time. It's a real knack to do this, but I haven't seen you this excited, maybe ever. And so what inspired you to write The Latte Factor? You know, it's funny that you say that because we have known each other a long time, and I am like a little kid excited about this book. And I think mm. part of it is, Brian, I've been wanting to do this book for 14 years. Mm. So I wrote The Automatic Millionaire. I launched that book on Oprah. That was back in 2004. That became the most successful book I've ever done. Mm. And... I, on her stage, did a whole thing on the latte factor where we literally had a young woman in the audience where we had her track her expenses and we showed on stage on Oprah where Oprah pulled back, she did a reveal and we showed this woman live television how her latte factor was costing her over a quarter of a million dollars. Mm. And we had a quarter of a million dollars in cash on the stage and the mm. entire audience went, oh my God, wow, like... And when I came back from that show, because I saw what it did to the audience, we had talked about this for years, and then it went viral. The, the concept of the latte factor, the metaphor, that the way we spend small amounts of money on little things like coffee, mm -hmm. literally if we use that money, we could save it to change our lives. I came back to my publisher and I said, I've got this idea. I want to write a parable. 
and I want to put this story into this little book. And my publisher said, that's a great idea. No, we don't want to do it. Sure. And what happened was I kept year after year, I'd say, I've got this idea. I want to write a parable. And the reason I wanted to write a parable, Brian, I know you've read so many books, is that my life has been moved and transformed by stories, right? right? Like one of my favorite books of all time is The Alchemist. Mm -hmm. And Paulo Coelho had a huge inspiration. It was a big part of me writing this book. And I can tell that story in a little bit. But that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Mm Mm-hmm. Ken Blanchard's book, The One Minute Manager. Uh Like, these were books that were transformational in my life, Uh and they were little stories that I could read in a couple hours and have an aha moment, Uh and it changed me. Right. And I just wanted to write a financial book that would be about more than money that could change people's lives who wouldn't normally read a financial book, Uh which is like 98% of people. Right. Of the millions of listeners that you have, at the end of the day, because your listeners are very sophisticated and they are buying business books, but let's be honest, lots of people buy business books and they don't read them. Sure. This is a book that my 15-year-old just read cover to cover in two hours, Jack. Yeah. And, you know, he never read any of Jack is 15? Jack is 15. You're kidding me. Can you believe that? 15 years old. He's about to move to Florence. How good is that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. On a flight home from Alta skiing, he turned to me and he said, Dad... He turned the chart in the back of the book, the little chart that shows the power of saving $2,000 a year. Right. You know, we should maybe have a link somehow to this chart, but he looked at this chart. I'm looking at it now. On the plane flight, turned to me and said, Dad, is this true? Mm -hmm. Are you telling me if I put $2,000 away from the age of 19 to 26 and I never put another dollar away, I'm going to have $1,035,000? And he started asking like really smart questions like, how can that be? But he got it, right, because he started understanding compound interest because he read the book, and he Mm -hmm. said, well, how do I get an IRA account? I'm only 15. If I do this at 15, I'll have way more than this. Aha! Pretty darn smart, right? Right. And then he also said to me, I said, what's the biggest thing you took away from the book? And he said, you know, at the end of the book, you talk about your grandmother and and how Mm -hmm. the need to take risk. And, you know, there's a story in the back of the book where I talk about my grandma and how at 86 on her deathbed, I asked her if she had any regrets in life, and she said she did. And she went back over her lifetime to being a teenager, and she shared with me, Brian, her five biggest regrets. And at the end of those regrets, she turned to me, and she said, I said, but Grandma, you've lived a great life. And she said, David, I want you to listen to me right now because you're young. She said, my lesson's not in my regrets, even though she could go all the way back to being a teenager. She said, the lesson is I came to a fork in the road, at those points in time, and I had a choice. I could take the safe road, Uh or I could take the road with more risk. And at those times, I took the safe road. Yeah. And she said, I'm sitting here, and I'm never going to leave this bed at 86. I'm dying. Uh And I'll never know what could have been. And that's an overarching part of this book, the story in this book, where Zoe Daniels realizes she needs to go after her dreams. Uh But my son, Jack, at 15, turned to me and said, Dad... The most important lesson I got from the book, I need to go for my dreams. Sure. Well, there was a great book years ago. I don't know if you remember this, The Australian Nurse, who wrote The Five Regrets of the Dying. Fantastic book. And, you know, she was a hospice nurse that helped people gracefully and die with dignity. And she'd be with them at the end of life. And this came up all the time. And the number one thing is I wish I'd risked more. And I remember last year at our Peak Experience event with our top producers and how you shared your story about your grandma and... I mean, people were bawling their eyes out, you know, thinking about this thing and how she imbued you. If you think about this, the reason why the latte factor didn't get written was your book company kept taking the road most traveled. 
right. They didn't want to take the risk. You got a runaway success. We got this hot author. He's great on TV. He's a soundbite machine, and he's got the best financial advice that you know. And people are loving it. And so let's keep doing that. So I am just pumped that you pushed the envelope and got together. And I want to share this a little bit. I mean, John David Mann. So here's the guy that's never had a really, you've always charged up the hill yourself. And now you got this guy who wrote a book called The Go-Giver, one of my favorite books, a guy I absolutely plan to do a podcast with in the future here. And you brought him alongside to help you write this parable. I think it's brilliant. Thank you. And John David Mann is an unbelievable writer. And so you're right. Every single book I've written myself, and this book I had a co-writer with, John. And when John wrote The Go-Giver, he sent the book to me. It's such a good book. Anybody should read The Go-Giver. He sent the book to me, and I said, this is one of the best parables I've ever read in my life. And you and I have to write this book. I have an idea that called The Latte Factor, but I don't have the whole story yet. Right. But when I do, we need to write this book. And so... You know, you fast forward like 10 years later, what ends up happening, my hero writer is Paulo Coelho. And I always wanted to meet Paulo Coelho. And so I had an opportunity to go have dinner with Paulo in Geneva. Mm-hmm. And my wife goes, you're going to go fly to Geneva to have dinner? Yes, I am. I said, yes, I am. That's, <laughs> right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And so I got on a plane. I went and had dinner with Paulo. And, you know, Paulo's amazing. We have dinner together, and then he wants to stay out, and he wants to go to a bar. Oh, yeah. Paulo wants to go to a bar. I'm going to a bar with Paulo. So we stay out, and we're drinking. And, you know, at the end of the night, he turns to me, and he says to me, David, what is the book that your soul desires to write Mm -hmm. that you have not written yet? Yeah. And I proceed, this is 2012, November 2012, Mm. I proceed to tell Paulo, I've got this book called The Latte Factor. I want to write a parable that will inspire people all over the world to realize that they're richer than they think. They're stronger than they know. Mm-hmm. Their dreams can still come true, that they shouldn't give up hope. And mm-hmm. I want to write a book like you have that will translate all over the world. He turns to me, he puts his hand on my arm, and he says, then David, then you must write that book. Mm-hmm. And I left that bar on cloud nine. I came home. My wife said, well, what did Paulo say? And I said, he said I should write The Latte Factor. And she's like, I've been telling you that for 10 years. Yeah, right. You, you didn't to need to go to Geneva. Tell you that? Listen to your wife. <laughs> I had no doubt. So, you know, what ends up happening is that's what triggers it, right? And then I call John and I say, John, I've got the idea. I need you to fly to New York. I'm going to walk you through the story. And so the story starts with this young woman named Zoe Daniels. And I wanted this to be a book that would touch millennials, younger people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, baby boomers can read it too, but I want this to be a book that you can go give to your kids. Sure. Right? And well, hopefully you read it first and then give it to your kids, right? Exactly. And I want to get the next generation inspired to go for their dreams. Right. So. Zoe Daniels is 27. She's a millennial. She lives in Brooklyn. Like, that's where all the millennials are. I live in Manhattan. <laughs> so she takes the subway to work every morning, and she works in the Freedom Tower. And she comes out of this, what's called the Fulton Center, which is the major subway station downtown New York. And she comes out inside the Oculus. This is the first chapter of the book. And she comes outside the Oculus. The Oculus is incredible. It's this $4.6 billion development. It's all marble. It's underground. And she's walking underground to her office. And there's an LCD screen. This is all true. It's all there. There's an LCD screen that's a football field long in length. It's one of the Mm. largest LCD screens in the world. And on it is an ad. And the ad says, if you don't know where you're going, you might not like where you end up. Mm. And she keeps walking, and she takes the escalator up. And as she takes the escalator up, it takes her right up by the 9-11 Memorial, which is right in front of the World Trade Center. Mm. Well, she's gone by the 9-11 Memorial now, Brian, for six years on her way to work. Mm and never really looked at the 9-11 Memorial. 
And on this morning, she stops. She looks at it. She sits down on this bench right by the memorial. She sees people crying because they're paying service to people that they've lost. Mm -hmm. And she says to herself, what is she doing with her life? She has that deeply personal aha moment light bulb switch where she stops and asks herself, what is she doing with her life? Mm -hmm. And that begins her journey to transformation, which is we all need to do that from time to time. Sure. Where are you going with your life? Is it where you want it to be going? Because if you're not conscious about it, if you don't have a plan, you know, you're a wandering generality. Right. Zoe basically has been working so hard for six years. She's living paycheck to paycheck, but she's not getting ahead mm-hmm. and she's getting tired. And so she starts to ask other people for help because that's part of going on the journey to find mentors is you have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I always say, you know, if you knew better, you'd do better. Mm. When you learn new skills, you design a life that's different. Mm. So she sets out on the journey and then the book follows her on her journey with what she does and how she goes about it. And along the way, there's some pretty cool little tips and techniques that come along to help her fund the dream, right? Well, that's exactly right. And in the beginning, what happens is she's her own critic. She's got other critics, right? right. But like her critic inside her head is she can't afford it. Yep. No matter what she does, she can't get ahead. Right. And this is the number one thing, right? We've put three and a half million people through goal setting in our events. And for a few minutes, people dispel their beliefs, dispel their circumstances, and we get them into a place. We play the soft, classical, Baroque-style music. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is the minute the goal's written, they go, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay for it? And the dream dies. It dies a stillborn death. It doesn't even get a chance to live a day. And all of the doubt that's built up there kills it right off the bat. And here's what happens. Like some people, it kills it right off the bat, right? Like someone comes to one of your seminars or super motivated and they kill themselves before they leave the event. Right. Other people go home and they tell their spouse and their spouse kills. Yep. (laughs) Other people go home and they go back to their office and they go, you know, that stuff doesn't work, right? I went to that seminar two years ago. I didn't do anything. And here's what happens in the book. Same thing. Yeah. Zoe meets a mentor and she starts saying, you know, I can't afford it. I don't have the money. And her boss at work says, well, you should go meet this guy, Henry. He's a barista. He works at a coffee shop. Right. He's super creative. He could teach you a few things. And she goes to this coffee I don't want to give the whole story, but sure. she goes to this coffee shop, and he starts teaching her them unbelievable lessons that everyone can apply. In their Henry's life. the mentor. Henry's the mentor. He's working at the coffee shop, and she starts to get excited, and she comes home with a couple of these new lessons. And one of those key lessons is she learns that she's got to become financially selfish. Mm-hmm. She has to learn how to pay herself first. Right. And he starts showing her the math. He's like, you need to keep one hour a day of your income. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to work. You've been working at this job for six years. Have you saved any money? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, no. He's like, have you been making more money? She's like, yes. He's like, well, that's not working. Right. And he says, you know, most people work 90,000 hours over their lifetime, and they don't have anything to show for it. Right. And she's always been raised, by the way, by her mother, Brian, to not be selfish. Mm-hmm. And Henry sure. said to her, you got to be selfish. And she says, what do you mean? He's like, you got to put yourself first. You got to pay yourself first. And he teaches her what that means. And he shows her the math on the first visit together in the coffee shop. He shows her, you know, if you save $10 a day, you could have, and I'll actually go to the real math here because it's in the book. But he basically starts to show her, you know what? If you saved $10 a day, 
by the time you reach retirement, you'd have over one million nine hundred thirteen thousand dollars. Right? Like he's giving you the different formulas. Like right. if you waited till you're thirty-five, yep. instead of one million nine hundred thirteen thousand dollars, you'd have six hundred eighty-four thousand. Right. But a lot of people wait until they're forty-five, and then they'll only have two hundred thirty thousand. He's showing her this math. Yeah. And she starts to go, "Wait, what are you talking about?" And he says, "Like you know, like that coffee you're holding in your hand, like." That coffee, that $5 there and $10 here, like if you just save 5 to $10 a day, it starts to change everything. And she goes home and she starts kind of getting excited. Exactly what you're talking about, right? And she tells one of her friends who she has dinner with about this cool thing that she's learning about, how she should be paying herself first and the miracle of compound interest. And what does he do? He rains all over her parade. Yeah. That won't work. Yeah, try that. Those 401k plans, those are all garbage. Like, he goes through all the things that people yeah. say. And you know, meanwhile, he doesn't have any money either, right? It's always sure. a broke person telling you why you can't <laughs> yep. get Beware of the financial advice from the man with the hole in his shoe. <laughs> so, you know, then she gets down, and then she goes back, and she continues on this journey, and she meets other people. And, mm-hmm. and so she really goes on this It's kind of a spiritual awakening yeah. where she starts to take not just charge of her money, but charge of her life. Yeah. And... That's the real key to this book. The underlying premise of this little book is the idea that you need to live rich now. Mm. Mm. And that it's not about someday having a bunch of money in retirement. Right. It's about actually living your richest life at this moment in time. Right. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to tell you what I've witnessed. Because you and I first met on the stage for Wells Fargo Bank, yep. broadcasting the 100 movie theaters all over North America and 50,000 realtors in a room. and. You had to paint by numbers because of the dynamics of broadcasting and whatever else. What I've witnessed with you in the last couple of years is, you know, this is part of your own journey. I've seen your spirit grow and transform and using meditation and growing in your own spiritual walk. I've seen this desire to inspire people where on stage where you're just like, hey, it's not just about the dough. You're known for great how-tos and practical things. And, you know, to me, the latte factor symbolizes that because you're always the guy that helps people know 10 bucks a day means the world. And yet, you know, what happens is the person who's overweight goes, one more piece of pizza won't kill me. The person who's broke goes, I had this happen. My brother Kevin, when he first came to America, bought his first house, again, not being economically selfish, brings this buddy in to let him be a roommate and rent from him. And, of course... Now he's a landlord, and this guy loses his job, and so on and so forth. So I'm out here, and you go, you always got the family member who's watching out, right? And I'm looking at this guy. Well, this guy doesn't pay his rent for two months. And I'm starting to get a little frustration, a little resentment built up. And I walk in one day, and this guy, who's out of work, and he sold Kevin a good story. He's not paying his rent. Kevin's scrapping to make his mortgage. And there's two brand-new pair of jeans on the dresser. And I said to him, dude... You're not paying your rent, but you're buying new jeans? And he goes, well, you know, I can't afford to pay Kevin the 300 bucks, but I could afford two pair of jeans. And I go, that's why you can't pay the rent. And I actually evicted him out of Kevin's place that time. <laughs> Kevin didn't have the heart to do it. But that's the person who's broke says, well, I can buy the jeans. I got them on sale. The person who's trying to lose weight, one more piece of pizza won't kill me. You're the guy that says, hey, here's the value of a piece of pizza. Here's the value of a pair of jeans. In this case, here's the value of a latte, which people line up out the door. I was just at a volleyball tournament in Las Vegas. 10,000 young girls at a volleyball tournament. And Starbucks had a line. I swear it was 250 yards long. Oh, no doubt. And here's the thing, by the way. And this is a funny thing about she said this is the coffee. Even in the book, Zoe Daniels, her mentor says, you know what? If you're going to go to Starbucks every day and buy coffee... 
than buy the stock. In the book, there's an example of the fact that if you bought $1,000 of Starbucks, when Starbucks went public today, you'd have over a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. So part of the lesson, too, are like, look, there's two types of people in the world. There's really three, actually. There's those who work at Starbucks, right? You can be an employee. You can be a consumer. And you can be the person who owns the place. Mm-hmm. And part of the lessons that Zoe Daniels learns in this book and then you learn is that there's these escalators to wealth mm-hmm. and freedom. Mm-hmm. And so fine. You don't want to give up Starbucks, then cool. But buy the stock. Right. right? Like you're going to shop on Amazon every day, then buy the stock. Like right. own these great American companies. It's interesting. You know, Russell Wilson is the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. And in the past, when the quarterback gets paid, he takes care of his offensive linemen. So years ago, it was Dan Marino, and he was a spokesman for Isotoner Gloves. You remember that? Yep. So he gets his new contract, and he gave his, his linemen Isotoner Gloves. They got ridiculed later on because the players are making more money, and now they're buying Cadillacs or Rolex watches. So up in Seattle, Russ Wilson is the quarterback, and Amazon's based up there. He just got a $140 million contract. You know what he did? He gave every lineman $12,000 of Amazon stock. I read that, and I thought, talk about financial literacy. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Like, and by the way, everybody in the media is picking this up, and now you and I are talking about this. Yeah. It is the greatest life lesson. You know, when my grandmother helped me buy my first stock at age seven, it was in McDonald's. Mm-hmm. She's the one who taught me this lesson. She's like, you can come here and work for minimum wage, tough yeah. way to make a living. You can eat here and spend money, or you can own the place. And she helped me buy my first stock at age seven. What Russell Wilson just did by giving, now, the smart ones will leave that stock alone for pretty much forever. Sure. You know, the dumb ones will go and sell it tomorrow and then yeah. take the cash and do something stupid with Buy it. Buy a watch. But I think, again, I go back to this, the whole point of money is freedom. And, and mm. there's two ways to get on the escalator to building wealth. And Zoe Daniels learns it in the book, in Latte Factory, you'll learn it. It's owning equities and stocks and how to do that. And it's owning real estate. Yes, sir. Right Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir here, yep. most people who listen to this, but one of the major life lessons that Zoe is taught, because she's renting, is she's taught by her mentor you can't rent. Mm-hmm. You have to own. And over her journey, she ends up buying a property and becoming an owner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so weird because you and I have been doing this so long. There's all this controversy now about buying homes. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the other day, another financial guru was like, you know, you shouldn't buy a home. It's a terrible investment. You're better yep. off renting. And he ran the math on CNBC, and it was like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, yep. first of all, the guy runs a registered investment advisory firm where they're paid with asset manager <laughs> management, which is, I have a, almost $7 billion now, Brian, in our <laughs> registered investment advisory firm. But guess what? I still know you need to also own real estate. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm watching this segment, and you know, this, this person saying, you know, it's cheaper to rent than to own, and you know, a diversified portfolio will outperform real estate. And right. all these arguments, I'm like, they're just not accurate. First of all, and Zoe learns this, and you have to own a home. Yeah. The bulk of wealth in America comes through real yep. estate. And it's the ultimate escalator to building wealth. And right. the saddest thing is there are a lot of high-profile people these days yep. bashing on it. With huge social media followings, huge. uncontested, and it's like never before has ignorance had such a mouthpiece. Here's the facts. The average homeowner has 46 times the net worth of the average renter. So you've got 46, which is even yeah. higher than what I've quoted. Yeah. I've quoted 41. Yeah. You know, the average home now is almost, what are we at, $300,000. Sure. But what people miss, and I was watching this example also, is that rents always go up. You know, this person was saying, and it's not about this person, it's about the argument. Yeah. This person was saying, well, you know, when you own, you have to pay maintenance and taxes and insurance. And yeah. 
Guess what? When you rent, you do too. You know why? Because the landlord passes those expenses <laughs> on to you and right. called rent escalators. So rents always go up because if yeah. you're a landlord, you're not just giving that stuff away for free. So the reason people become landlords is to get rich. And guess who pays sure. for it? Yep. The tenant. Yeah. So <laughs> when you- I marketed to first time buyers, I used to send in marketing pieces. When I was, I'm talking about a 21 year old realtor. I used to send mailers into uh, apartment buildings and the heading said, your landlord says hi and thanks again for paying his mortgage. <laughs> and my phone would blow up. But it was true, right? I mean, that's what the deal is. Well, and look, I don't know. Some may, maybe they'll change the tax laws, but the reality is now there still is no better tax benefit than owning your home. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you can own a home when you're married and sell it and get a half a million dollars tax-free mm-hmm. after you've lived in it for two years, mm-hmm. like this critic wasn't discussing that. Yeah. You can't buy a half a million dollars in mutual funds and then sell it and get a tax-free gain unless it's in an IRA account. Right. I've just sold our home because we're moving to Florence, Italy. Yeah. So guess what? Worth well over half a million dollars in profit. Sure. Got a half a million dollars tax-free. It's the third time I've been able to have a primary residence and sell it and pocket that money tax-free. Mm-hmm. All legal. Yeah. No one discusses that enough. So the thing about home ownership, it's forced savings. Real estate long-term goes up. You mm-hmm. pay your mortgage down. Yep. You have no debt. You get a tax advantage. You have a much lower cost lifestyle. And so Zoe learns again in the book. She's young, but she's taught. You got to pay yourself first. You need to own real estate. Yeah. Well, we are singing to the choir here because obviously we know that. We know that works. But again, today with the social media world that we live in, Empty vessels make a lot of noise and get a lot of pub and a lot of followings and go, anybody who owns an, a home is a moron and I'll never own a home again. And I've, I've been watching these things. In fact, there's a guy, I won't mention his name, and he is a consultant. He's a social media consultant to two of the largest CEOs in real estate. So two of the largest seven companies in real estate. He's a social media consultant. And he just came out blasting anybody who owned a home. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, Here's why you know that guy's not smart. If you would just look at where your money's coming from yourself. But it got a lot of pub. It's an internet sensation. And it just is devoid of facts. It's truth. Food, shelter, clothing. You get to control the shelter. And here's the other part. You get to own it. You get to feel different about it. You get to live in it. You get to improve it. It gets to appreciate. You get to pay it off. And one day you get to sell it and take a little tax-free benefit when you do that too. So. And by the way, if you don't sell it, yeah. The greatest thing that transfers wealth from one generation to the next sure. is people who own real estate. Yeah. So when you look at like why the rich keep getting richer, yeah. it's because they owned real estate mm-hmm. and stocks. Yeah. And the game is more tilted towards the rich than it's ever been. Sure. So here's the thing. Everything in the latte factor that you can read in 90 minutes should have been taught you in school before you graduated high school. Yeah. But it's not. The biggest nope. thing missing in this country is financial literacy in schools. Yeah. It shouldn't just be rich parents teaching rich kids how to get richer. We need to teach everybody how to be smarter with their money. And so I wrote this book against all odds. Yeah. Uh, you know, publisher said no for 10 years. I finally said, you know what, I'm going to write this book and then go sell it. And, you know, now I've spent the last six months getting ready to put it out. Amazingly grateful to you that we're doing this on the day the book comes out. For people awesome. who are listening, you've got to come over to our website, thelattefactor.com. Because we'll have a big special promotion on that website the day of the book coming awesome. out. And, um, you know, special offer for you, a bunch of goodies that you'll get when you order the book off our website. Incredible. So the principle and the parable, Zoe follows the advice in order to fund her dream. You've been teaching people to do this for a long time. And what I'm excited about is that you're doing this yourself. You're doing this yourself. You know, writing this book was your dream. 
and you've taken care of your finances to such a degree, you could say, damn the torpedoes, I'm going to write this book, whether my publisher loves it or not, here we go. And now, here you are. I was asking you to come and speak at an event for me here that's one of our signature events called Mastermind. You said, I'd love to, and I'm trying to find a way to do it, but I'm moving to Florence for a year, and I'm trying to work, and I'm like, what? Which is your dream right now, and it's funded because you're practicing what you preach. Just tell the folks a little bit, because I think it's inspiring. Well, thank you. You know, and I think it'd be great for you to tell folks, you know, the whole dynamic of moving the fam to, to Florence. Yeah, well, so I'm obsessed with living the richest life possible, and I've got two young boys. I got a, well, almost not so young anymore, right? Yeah, right. Jack's almost 16. Crazy. And my younger son, James, will be 10. I realized I had a window in time to take my kids abroad. And so I said to my wife, you know, a little over a couple of years ago, I said, I really want to take the family abroad before these kids go off to college. And I want them to see the world. Right. And I want them to have a year seeing another culture. Mm-hmm. So I said, we've got to do this when he's a sophomore. And then she said, well, where do you want to go? I'm like, I don't know. We can go anywhere in the world. Where do we want to go, right? So we chose Florence, Italy. Mm-hmm. We gave the 15-year-old a choice. That was like super scary. And he chose. <laughs> Thank God. To go. Mogadishu was on the table. <laughs> so we gave him a choice to come and he said, yeah, I want to go. And so we're going for a year. And, you know, it's, it's taken a lot of planning. But Zoe Daniels actually learns how to take sabbaticals. She doesn't take a year. She takes mm. six weeks. Yeah. And she's a travel writer who never has traveled. Mm. And so she learns how to ask for a break and how to make money while she takes a break. And I think that that's going to inspire a lot. Because, you know, young people want to travel more than ever before, but so do people who are not so young, like us. And, yeah. You know, the big underlying message is don't wait to live your dreams. And I'll yeah. tell you something, Brian, that people don't know, because, you know, if you're my insider community, you know this, but so we've got this amazing life plan. And then like a week ago, I was in the emergency room with my wife because we thought she was having a stroke. Oh, my gosh. And there were eight doctors around my wife at one point, And they said, you know, don't panic, but we're going to move quickly here. And we're going to go run her in to have an MRI. We need your permission. And this is last Wednesday. My life was flashing before my eyes, her life and my life. Mm. You know, God bless. Everything tested clear and she's totally fine. And we were in Disneyland yesterday with our son a week later. But that moment where I waited for hours while she had an MRI and she came back and I'm sitting in the waiting room. Anybody's ever been in a hospital knows what this is like. And you just go, this is how life is. One mm-hmm. minute it's one way and the next minute it could be another way. Yeah. And my moment was, this is why I'm taking this year to go abroad with my family. Mm-hmm. We always think we're going to live forever and everything's going to be okay. And then it's sometimes it's not. And, right. you know, and I feel like we just got even another reminder of like why this is so important because it's scary to stop working. It's scary to pick up and move. It's scary to make yeah. change. But, you know, that's where the growth comes from. And I think it's so important for anybody listening. I've got a friend upstairs I'm going to go talk to after we're done, but she retired a year ago and she's getting bored. And and she said, you know, I'm afraid that now that I don't have anything I'm focused on to do next, that I'm not growing anymore. I said, you can't ever stop growing. Right. You know, your future has to be bigger than your past Mm -hmm. at any age. Yeah. You know, at any age you're listening to this, I don't care if you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, like you never want to stop growing. Sure. Just the different stages in life. You know, I, I've had the head down grinding for years. I was on the road a ton. I traveled. I did this. I did that. And now I'm looking at it. I'm excited for the next phase of my life, but it's much more of a leveraged phase. Completely. Where I'm going to do things. I'm enjoy- This podcast is an example of the, the next phase of my life. I enjoy this. I can go speak to 250,000 people through this podcast. It would take an awful lot of time on the road to go see 250,000 people. And so the most exciting thing about this is obviously we got this parable. 
people are going to be able to see themselves in Zoe. People are going to love Henry's advice. Henry's really David, but we don't tell anybody that. And then she gets to fund the dream and live the life. The great thing I'm witnessing is that you're doing this yourself. You're living the life. You've earned your stripes. You're living the life by writing the book that was your dream book. You're living the life because you're making the commitment with your family. The thing about it is you're living the dreams now, and you know, you know, hey, we're going to Florence. You know, it's like, who knows what the future holds? This is a great life now, and you, it's going to be the most amazing year as a family, bonding together and connecting together and growing together. Your kids are going to find out that New York is not the entire world. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the world operates very differently than that. And how fantastic is that? And so I just think it's awesome. The world right now is full of opinions on social media through all kinds of sources and unfortunately the market has not learned to ask the question okay the person who's giving me this advice what have you ever done what have you ever done show me your resume you give them financial advice show me your net worth statement tell me how you actually built it and so i just think the time is perfect for this it's great financial advice it's full of how to's it is full of methodologies where taking control of the price of a latte can help you build a fortune it's got all of the classic David Bach tips and how-tos wrapped around a story that's a great parable and lived by the author himself right now in fun in his own dream. And I just think the timing is perfect. I think you're in a perfect spot, and I think the market's ready for something like this. I'm just super excited. We've moved our schedule around so we could make this podcast happen today so we could be part of your opening day celebration. I think it's fantastic. Go to thelattefactor.com. And Dave and the team have some goodies there for you as well. I'm looking at the book right here. It's a beautiful looking book. It's well written and it's also written for today's world. Two hours, you're good. You've gone through it. But I have a feeling like people are going to go through this many, 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 many times. And it's great stuff. Just the last little piece here before we go. Someone listening today, just give them your best little advice on how they can. Maybe they've messed up. Maybe they've gotten into debt. Maybe they feel like they're overwhelmed. How do I turn it around? So for a little bit of the older folks, maybe there's Zoe who didn't listen in their 20s, and now they're a 45-year-old Zoe or a 50-year-old Zoe. What would be your encouragement to those folks? First of all, thank you again. I sent you an email like two days ago, and you immediately went and got this podcast connected. <laughs> so I, I totally appreciate you and your team dropping everything to do this. You bet. You know, aside from the money, what I would say is ask yourself what you don't want anymore in life. Mm. Like, I think it's important to make a list of like, these are the mm. things I no longer want in my life. And like literally just take out a pad of paper and go, you know what? I don't want these things in my life anymore. This is what I want to move away from. So it's almost like this is your move away from list. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you need to make a second list and say move to list. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you want? Again, this is what Henry, the mentor does for Zoe. He says to her, what is it you want? She's like, what do you mean? What do I want? What are your dreams? She starts telling him her nightmares. He's like, I didn't ask you about your nightmares. I asked you about your dreams. Mm -hmm. The reason this is so important is that ultimately what it does is it helps you rediscover you. Mm. So someone who's listening to this, and a lot of times people listen to podcasts, they're working out or they're driving to work or they're mm. walking somewhere. When you get somewhere that you can stop, take 10 minutes. Make a list of what you don't want anymore in life. Could be a short list, by the way. Doesn't mm -hmm. have to be pages. Just, you know, everybody knows something they don't want anymore. And then mm -hmm. what is it you really do want? Mm -hmm. I ask this question a lot to people who are retiring. When they come to my office and they say, you know, can I afford to retire? And I go, before I even look at the money, let me ask you a question. Why are you retiring? Mm 
Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to move away from? Well, that's a really interesting question to ask a person who's about to retire. Yeah. Because they can give you a long list and you go, well, is it the work you're doing? Is it the people you work with? Is it the time you have to commit to it? Because a lot of times people don't really want to stop working. They want to stop working where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? What is it you want to move towards? And they make a long It's the towards piece that's super important because it's the towards piece that gives you the energy. Mm-hmm. I can take somebody who's super depressed in life and feeling super beat up and feel like they're doing everything wrong. And if I can get them to start focusing on where it is they want to go, they'll start to have a glimmer of light again. Mm-hmm. And then I just need to help them shine that light brighter and brighter and brighter. Mm-hmm. And I think if you read The Latte Factor and you kind of go through Zoe's journey as she does this, you'll realize in your own life you can do this. Mm-hmm. The mechanical parts of money are not complicated. It's math. Right. Right. Yeah. She, again, and in The Latte Factor, she learns is like, you got to pay yourself first. You have to start today. You should be saving more than you currently are. You got a lot of people who are self-employed listening and they're not taking care of their finances and they say they're too busy. And all I can tell you is you're trading your time for money no matter what you do, even when you're self-employed. Right. And if you're self-employed and you're not taking care of yourself financially, you should take a day off work this week mm. and clean up the stuff in your life financially that you know you need to do. Yeah. I can tell you right now, if I was sitting down with somebody who's like, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. I'm like, you're too busy not to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you open up a SEP IRA this year, right? Like you and I right. have hammered on people sure. when we've been on stage. Did All you day. fund your SEP IRA? You know, we've got a lot of real estate agents who are busy going out to Working the in the business sale. instead of working on it, right? Yeah, working mm-hmm. in the business instead of working on it. Yep. Part of working on the business is having your financial life together. Sure. And putting yourself first. And I think one thing I would just say is this. People underestimate how long they're going to be healthy. Mm. All right. And, and, and I've been saying this a lot lately, which is this, and I think it's important to hear this. The next 10 years of your life are going to be the healthiest years of your life. You got to maximize these next 10 years. You got to mm. maximize them for your own life. You got to spend it with the people you love, give the love to the people that deserve it mm-hmm. and figure out what you really want to do. But don't assume you're going to live to be 80, 90 and hundred and it's all going to be the same. It's not. Mm-hmm. I was just at Disneyland, as I told you, with my family. And the average age, by the way, in this country for men is still 78. That's the duration that the average American man lived to be 78, and the average American woman lived to be about 82. This country is more unhealthy than it's ever been, and you could see it at Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just people are not physically taking care of themselves in this country. And I would just say, man, figure out what you don't want, figure out what you do want, take care of your health, get your financial act together. And live these next 10 years like they could be your last. You bet. Because if you do, that's the best possible way to live them. And then the last thing I would say is this. I just told you the next 10 years are going to be the healthiest years of your life. Now, I want you to shrink that time frame down to 36 months. And if I said to you, you got 36 months left to live, what do you need to get done before you die? Mm. That's your third piece of paper. Mm-hmm. If I gave you 36 months from now to live, what do you have to get done? Who do you need to apologize to? Who do you need to share your love with? Mm-hmm. Where do you need to go? Who do you need to be? Because not everybody's got more than 36 months, and you just don't know it yet. Right. Well, it's a personal growth book wrapped in a parable based on sound financial tips and techniques. And it's special. I think it's going to do differently than anything you've ever thought. I think it's going to go places than anything you've ever done. And I'm very excited. I have no idea. God is good. He'll take this where it needs to go. I'm very excited. 
I'm excited for you. I sense the excitement in you. I'm excited for people to get their hands on a copy of this book and go through the process themselves. Whether they're 27 like Zoe or 57 or 67, I just saw something this morning. Warren Buffett made 99% of his wealth after the age of 50. So there's plenty of time still left on the clock, and uh, you can get it done. Go to the lattefactor.com. Get your copy today. There's all kinds of goodies. We're excited to be part of your launch. We're excited to be part of your life. This is very special, and I've loved having you on today, bud. It's a great time for you, a great time for your family. Buongiorno, my friend. Buongiorno, my friend, Brian. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you, and uh, God bless, man. I look forward to seeing you again face-to-face. God bless. So and uh, with that said, I'll pass you over to my own Italian stallion, Mr. David Lally, who will take it from here. We always love having you here, David. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And hopefully we'll see you on our Mastermind stage in the future sometime. That's an event we all look forward to attending every August here in San Diego. So you can check out bethaniancompany.com for more info on that. Before I leave you today, I want to say a quick thanks to Terry Latham for her review in iTunes. She says, love, love, love this podcast. Always phenomenal information. Thanks, Terry. We love, love, love hearing that you're enjoying our show. So we appreciate the feedback. And until next time, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.